This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Let's talk uh, social media for, for a moment. Uh, recently, Xiao Chu, the CEO of TikTok, made his case to TikTok users directly. Uh, he stressed that the, the steps TikTok has, has been taking to protect U.S. Uh, user data. Now, of course, U.S. lawmakers say TikTok is a national security threat, but evidence, some say, remains unclear. Uh, Mr. Chu has been making several media appearances because of the mounting scrutiny of TikTok. Uh, Mr. Chu is set to testify tomorrow for the first time before a congressional committee. There's always been talk that will there be an outright ban of of the app when it comes uh, to TikTok uh, in the United States. Um, Mr. Chu, as I said, spoke uh, to TikTok users directly uh, the other day. Take a listen to, uh, to his post. I'm super excited to announce that more than 150 million Americans are on TikTok. That's almost half of the U.S. coming to TikTok to connect, to create, to share, to learn, or just to have some fun. This includes 5 million businesses that use TikTok to reach their customers. And the majority of these are small and medium businesses. Now these numbers are amazing. And I'm so thankful to all of you and the 7,000 TikTok employees in the US who are helping us build this incredible community in America and around the world. Now this comes at a pivotal moment for us. Some politicians have started talking about banning TikTok. Now this could take TikTok away from all 150 million of you. I'll be testifying before Congress later this week to share all that we're doing to protect Americans using the app and deliver on our mission to inspire creativity and to bring joy. So clearly, Mr. Chu there is trying to bolster uh, the uh, app's reputation uh, in the U.S. Uh, in fact, uh, he was supposed to hold a press conference today with dozens of social media creators uh, at the, on the steps of the Capitol. Many of them, of course, are being flown in by TikTok itself uh, to once again, it's a big PR campaign to make sure they stay and put some pressure on, on uh, lawmakers as well. Joining me now is Jesse Miller, social media expert and founder of Mediated Reality. Jesse, thank you for joining Joining us. Thank you for having me, Jazz. Uh, what do you make of all this? I mean, this seems like obviously a PR push to to convince lawmakers that uh, the, the the app shouldn't be banned. Do you think uh, the, the CEO here, Mr. Chu, uh, is going to be successful in, in winning hearts and minds of Americans? I do have to say his enthusiasm is somewhat infectious. A, lot, a big contrast compared to what we saw with Mark Zuckerberg testifying <laughs> yeah. a couple of years ago. That's true. Uh, and 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 much more engaging into that point of what TikTok creates in our, in our communities. And the thing is, is that TikTok very much does pride itself in the idea that you are able to not only create, distribute, but engage. And for that business angle, you know, saying there's 150 million users across the United States, that is half the population. You're looking at this small to medium-sized business that doesn't have to hire marketing companies. These are all, you know, commerce-driven conversations that very much kind of get these U.S. lawmakers kind of thinking about the things that their capital structure really does enjoy. But the reality here is that TikTok itself is no more a threat than any of the actual U.S major social media companies as well. Uh, any, any of the companies, Meta or Twitter, could be equally held accountable for some of the things that they're accusing TikTok of being responsible for here. But isn't TikTok, simply because it is a 
app uh, and head offices in China, and they can you know they can say there's a firewall. They can put all the the, the security apparatus in and all these new programs that I that I don't doubt. But ultimately, anybody operating out of China is always always answerable to the Chinese Communist Party. It doesn't matter who you are. They will bring you down or they will put pressure on you, whether they want user data, whether they feel you getting too big. In the case of Jack Ma, you saw the, the internet uh, mm-hmm. entrepreneur. So they've always yeah. never allowed anybody to get too big, number one. And anything that is viewed as a threat or anything that can be leveraged uh, in regards to national security, will, and they will do so. I mean, TikTok provides them with an incredible amount of aid data, number one. Number two, if you do want to, you know, uh, impact discourse in a nation like China, or sorry, in the U.S., you could, your algorithm could could push certain storylines and push uh, and, and not put other stories before American consumers just based on that alone in regards to uh, being able to, you know, uh, consume news. It can be dictated by an algorithm. And ultimately, that management is beholden to the Chinese government. Mm-hmm. And again, as Canadians, we somewhat forget the fact that this is not really our issue. It kind of becomes a secondary issue based on how we have concerns about China interfering in Canadian politics the same way. But the thing is, is that when you look at this conversation where it started, if we go back to the Trump administration and this idea of like, let's get rid of TikTok, let's make them break up, let's make SAP buy it so that it can operate in the United States uh, outside of what, uh, what the Chinese government has control over. Um, the United States Patriot Act allows any company in the United States to kind of collect data and then the American government to get access to it. So I have to ask myself as a traveler, if I'm going to the United States, what have I written on my Instagram account that might make it more difficult for me to experience traveling through the United States, the same as if I was doing it through China? In these spaces here where we get to this national security rhetoric, it is the question of whether or not TikTok should be on government devices, whether or not we should be limiting access to personal information as a whole, just as, as, a, as a mandated piece. And then when it comes down to the idea of misinformation or influences, what do we as users of these tools really value in media literacy? Do we only want people just looking at their TikTok feed and choosing how to vote, how to purchase, how to do anything? Or do we want people being able to enjoy the platform and then still make their own choices without those influences? Are social media apps, and not just TikTok, um, are they in the retreat? And what I mean by that is, number one, are people tiring of them uh, in regards to how much they've sort of impacted our lives? And B, because of the security issues that you brought up with Facebook specifically, Instagram, Twitter especially as well, um, is the whole concept of the social media app in retreat to a certain degree in regards to changing um, perceptions of people. Like I look at Facebook, I, I really go on. I see it once in a while. I use it as a news feed for me, different newspapers from around the world. But I don't really, um, I don't, I don't converse with my friends on it anymore. Number one, um, and, and I and I can see that with a younger generation like my son's age who don't even look at something like Facebook. Is are, are those kind of apps that you know came in early? Are they now in retreat to a certain degree in regards to people's uh, how people feel about the number one security issues and just saying you know what this is this is not where I want to be. I think it depends on the user, Jazz. One of the most important pieces with these conversations is that we think about people as a whole and then ask whether A or B will occur. People operate in these silos on social media. And so what we see with, let's say, the extremist conversation mm-hmm. is that people now are in these echo chambers where their, their opinions are validated based on emboldenment and this idea that they can find other like-minded individuals who, in a public square, quote-unquote, might sit there and say, hey, I'm not going to say this aloud because I'm going to get some pushback. But in these closed 
social media spaces, we actually see increases of usership. So one of the things you have to keep in mind here is that, you know, when, when we talk about Snapchat, it's very uh, personal. It's not announcing to the entire world. It's your network of people. Whereas on Facebook, you're trying to kind of get a wider audience, your larger community. You really don't care what you write there in the comment sections. And that's what we see people do where all this vitriol and whatnot happens. But the interesting thing for me on TikTok is that TikTok is such a um, perverse algorithm and it does dial into a lot of things that people don't necessarily talk about in their everyday lives in the sense of what they search and what they engage with. But the concern for me is whether or not people have the media literacies to understand where something might become negative for them and whether that's political influence, whether that's their own ire towards the world or the way that they choose their time management on these apps. That right there becomes the concern for the person, not society as a whole. Do you have TikTok on your phone? I do, yeah. You do, eh? I took mine off. Yeah. <laughs> I just, you know what, I'm, I'm critical of the Chinese government, uh, and we do a lot of sub- subjects. Not that I'm going to China, and I, I, I've lived there, so I did get a visa at one time as a journalist. I'm not sure if I'd get yeah. one now as a visitor, yeah, but but I said I, I just don't want it because I just think you open it up. Once that you open up that app for me, don't need it. And I don't need it. I don't need it in my life, so I took it off. Yeah. You know, Jazz, we all have things, WhatsApp or WeChat or whatever it is that we allow ourselves to kind of network with. And so whether it's one big company or the other, the question is, how much of our data do we feel comfortable letting people have? And you have to keep in mind here, there are third-party data brokers all around the world who buy our data from these companies, sell it to other companies. Everything that's happening in this TikTok conversation is happening every day in the United States. The question is, why isn't the same magnifying glass being placed in those spaces? Mm -hmm. Is it easier just to say it because it is a national security issue when it comes to, you know, geopolitical? Upheavals. Yeah, well, lots to think yeah. about and talk about, that's for sure. Jesse, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Jess.